0: Thank you, worship team. Hey, before we, we start off, kids you're, kids, you're dismissed for Sunday school. Uh, before, before we get rolling, though, I want to tell you something really cool. Who likes to hear something really cool? Okay, this is cool. So as you guys know, we, they just, for kids, they, they have to know what's behind these doors, you know, so she said, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask permission, but she goes, I let them walk in here. So she said, they all walk in here, and she said, they were very, very quiet, and they were looking around, and the one kid said, I think it's really beautiful in here. And she said, I just observed these kids talking, and one of the kids, and she goes, I'm going to be honest with you, she goes, one of the kids used a curse word. And she said, I was going to say something, and one of the other students said, I don't think we should talk like this at this place. And she said, Eric, there's something going on that when they're in this building, it's like a calmness comes over them. And the other teacher said, it's true, it's true. She goes, I don't know. And she said, there's something about this place. And I said, it's holiness. And she said, what? And I said, this is holy ground. And I could tell she just leaned back almost like, What does that even mean? And guys, I'm excited to be on this journey to just see what will God do with this? And I've met school administration. I've met principals. I've met superintendents. And all these people are coming in and out. And I go, okay, Lord, there's a lot of places around here. But for some reason, we're in the middle of this mix. So I'm excited. And I wanted to share that with you. I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer and then we will go from there and we'll see what God has for us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we calm our hearts and Lord, may we hear the beat of your heart. Lord, may we hear the whisper of your voice. May we feel The gentle push, pull of your hand upon our lives. Lord, may we seek you with the same passion that you seek us. And may we, Lord, bow our hearts, bow our heads, bow our lives before the Master. And may you mold us into not just the men and women you desire us and designed us to be, but may you mold this church, Lord. Lord, I believe that you are doing something new. But I don't even know what it looks like, Lord, but give us courage to journey forward. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We're going to start this series called Tips And really, if I had to say what this tip series is, it's it's basically just practical living and what that looks like. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. Next week, we're going to talk about marriage. And I want to encourage you, uh, next month, Rob Schwing and Jen, they do a wonderful marriage conference at their farm on a Friday and a Saturday. It's very inexpensive. Pam and I went to it. Numerous other couples here went to it. It Last year, we were blessed. If you are married and you just think, hey, we could use a tune-up. Please talk with Rob. Find out more information about it. Because I'm going to tell you something. I've been to conferences that literally were like four dollars or $500. And I thought, hey, that was really great. And then i conference at their farm and I told Pam driving away, this impacted my marriage and my thought life and my relationship with Pam probably more than any marriage conference I've gone to. And I've probably been to way too many. And this was really good. It's October 6th and 7th. So, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about uh, the chaos of life and raising kids we're going to talk about finances, and why are we talking about these subjects? We're talking about these subjects because if I have been in ministry a long time and when I meet with people, these four things come up over and over: marriage struggles, raising kids struggles, um, finances. And in today we're going to talk about time, how we manage time, how we handle time. William Shakespeare, in uh, his Sonnet 19 poem, he says, the famous line, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? He talks about time. He says that time destroys both the mighty and the mild, the strong and the gentle. Time is money was spoken by what famous American? Arlene. Ben Ben Franklin. I tested her the other day, and boy, she banged that out right away. Time is money, spoken by Ben Franklin. Stephen Covey, who writes The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says the key is not spending time, but investing it. In Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon, the son of King David, wrote this, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sew, a time to keep silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace. This is really good. Someone should make that into a song. (laughs) Bob, can you work on that after service? See what you can do. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The younger generation is going what is he talking about? All right. One of our modern day theologians, Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones says that time is what? It's on my side. Mick, I had to break it to you. You're 80 years old. I don't know how much longer it's going to be on your side. But I share this today because time is limited and it's precious. How many of you have a loved one that you wish just for one more moment, one more time? To see them, to love them, to care for them, to experience something over. If you will, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. We're gonna start at verse 13, a very famous parable that Jesus gives. We're gonna look at this aspect of time and how we respect it and how we treat it. Our three for the road number one is this You will give time to things you value. Are the things you value worth time? You'll give time to the things you value. Are the things that you value worth time? Let's look at Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Then one in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, Jesus comes back with an interesting statement and says, Man, Who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Now part of you would go, well wait a minute Jesus you are the judge, you are the arbitrator. Why are you backing down for this? But there's kind of some inside things going on here and we need to understand the whole picture of what's happening. In the custom of that day the elder brother would receive two-thirds of an inheritance, the younger brother would receive one-third. Now a lot of people could argue that's unfair, but that's just what the custom is. But here's some other things that are going on. If you'll notice, when the brother complained to Jesus, he didn't say, hey Jesus, my brother and I would like to sit down with you because I disagree with how I'm, handling, how I'm being handled. What does he say? He says, no Jesus, rule in my favor. How many of you uh, have some kind of conflict in your life and what you really want is someone just to say, you're right, they're wrong. We really want that. We want to be justified. This guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell my brother to do what's right. But see, some would argue that his comment to Jesus is what they call tone death. When something is tone deaf, a lot of times they say they're not singing in key. I remember a good friend of mine who was a professional musician. One time we were doing something. He said, Eric, I want you to sing this line for me. And I started to sing it, and literally his face went. And I said, John, just tell me what's going on here with your your face. He says, Eric, um, you don't sing bad. He said, you just don't sing real good. And I said, you're saying my singing's bad. He said, no, I'm saying your singing is poor. I said, so it's bad. He goes, it's not good. So, what's the problem? Tone deaf. He said, Eric, I'm playing this. You're in a hole. He goes, I don't even know what you're singing. He goes, but you're not singing with me. He said, so... Either sing solo and just tell people that you're you know, going on the fly or don't sing in a group because it's not going to work. I believe this man's comment is tone deaf. And the reason why I think it's tone deaf is if you look back very shortly in the chapter 12 verse 8. Just before Jesus says this story he shares a very critical scripture here. Luke chapter 12 verse 8, And also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men... Him, the Son of Man, will also confess before the angels of God. Jesus is asking for commitment. Jesus is asking people, listen, are you fully committed? And this guy's going, okay, I hear you. Can you talk to my brother about the inheritance? That's tone deaf. He doesn't see what is going on here. So Jesus says to him, take heed and beware of covetousness." For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So some would say, Jesus, why didn't you rule in this case? I think Jesus ruled in the case. What did he say to the man? Be careful. You covet what you don't have. That's my ruling in this case. Search your heart. Because I have, and I'm telling you what I've found. You covet Our heart is critical. In all of the scriptures, Jesus talks to the heart. Let's make this head home. You will give time to the things you value. Are the things you value worth time? I've told people often before to do an audit of how they spend their time and what they do. You know, all of us have those really weird rectangular shaped things called smartphones. How many of you think that the name smartphone is ironic? Does our phones really make us smarter? Do we know more because of our phone? I can say this beyond question. I lived in the age before phones and the development of phones. Now wait a minute, smartphones, not phone phones. Smartphones. But I'm going to tell you something that I have seen rise with the smartphones. I've seen more people struggling with anxiety and depression since the advent of the smartphone. Because has it ever occurred to us that maybe we know too much? That social media has become so powerful that it can powerfully dictate our moods. I was watching a guy that I follow as a mechanic. And I just love that he's always fixing cars and doing things. This one episode, He's standing in front of this really nice car. I thought, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear what he's going to say about this car. He comes on and says, listen, um, I need more subscribers. And he had like 500,000 subscribers. He said, can you help me get to a million? And what I realized is this guy's life was hooked on how many people are following him. And I thought, wait a minute, you're a brilliant mechanic. You know all these things about course, and you're online going, hey, listen, if everyone would refer one friend, I could get to a million. And I thought, "Ooh, just be a great mechanic, because you are. Don't worry about what you're not. So I decided, all right, Eric, I want to use my time to value the things I think are most precious. Now, what are the most precious things? I have three things in my life that are the most precious. One is my journey with Christ. And understand that my journey with Christ is part of my calling to be here at this church. Number two is my marriage to Pam. And number three is my sons. Now, a lot of times I can make excuses why I do not use my time and levy it in those areas appropriately. And I can use excuses like this, I'm tired. I work a lot. Life is too busy. How many of you use those excuses? Good, just me. Okay, but often I think those excuses are letting myself off the hook. So here's how I've started looking at it. If I say I'm tired, is it because I stay up too late? If I say that I work a lot, is it because I'm disciplined and I waste too much time and I could get my work done, but I don't get my work done because I procrastinate and I do different things and I let things distract me? If I say life is too busy, am I really allowing things that are either not important or not valuable to steal my time? How many of you have time stolen from you from things that aren't valuable and aren't important? How many of you waste time on things that you just quite frankly should not be wasting time on? We all do these things. So, I'm auditing my time. And I've decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to prep for my day. So, what I do is I prepare myself the night before. I even lay out my clothes because you can see that I take fashion very seriously. I lay out my clothes, I prepare my food, I have checklists, I have all these things ready. To Pam? I don't want to have Bob have to remove you from the sanctuary. Right? Yeah. But I try and manage my time. Now, does that mean that I'm ever not lazy? Yeah, there's times I'm lazy. There's times I need to recharge. There's times where I completely disappear off the realm of the universe. Don't worry about me. I'll be back. It's okay. But what I'm saying is I'm saying, God, I am going to levy my time in my relationship with you and my marriage to Pam and in my children. And if I do those things, I am levying my time correctly. Because I cannot say that I value things if I am wasting time on things that are important. So I'm auditing my time. Let's keep going. Three for the road, number two. When you don't respect time, you will live as if there is an endless supply of it. If you don't respect it, you'll live as if there's an endless supply of time. Let's keep going here. Let's look at Verse 16. And then he spoke a parable to them. And he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. God just blessed it. It just worked. A friend of mine started a software company in 2018. The software company, he was trying to pitch to doctors about televisits and visiting with people, basically using like FaceTime. He goes, Eric, I would go from doctor office to doctor office to doctor office. No, no one is ever going to want to see their doctor over a phone. No one's ever going to want to see them over a screen. He said, and then Eric, he goes, this awful thing happened in our world. And he said, and all the people who hung up the phone on me and all the people, all of a sudden people were saying, hey, that whole thing about meeting with a doctor online, can you help us integrate that into our office? I can, I can. And he said, Eric, I gotta be honest, COVID really turned our business around. He said, it feels weird to say that. But in a sense, I think, man, right place, right time. Holy smokes. And here's this guy. His ground is producing plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Men, women, you have to have people who will speak into your life. Because left to your own devices, you'll do a lot of stupid stuff. And this guy needed Godly counsel. And so he's in this situation where he says, Hey, I have more than I need. How many of you, and let's just be really honest, have a thought in your head that if you just had more money there would be no anxiety, no pressure, no worry in your life? How many of you have ever had that thought? But I'm going to tell you that I believe that the people who are rich and wealthy, yes, do they have some pressure that's alleviated? But there's other pressure I watched an interview with Will Smith one time and he said, listen, I grew up really poor. And he goes, and I always thought if I was rich and successful, things would be easy. He said, I'm rich and successful. And he goes, yes, can I pay the bills? Can I do these things? But he said, I realized that there's other stresses that I did not count on that are upon me. It's the same. So, this guy is dealing with things. And he's going, hey, what shall I do? Verse 18, so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store up my crops and my goods. Now, is it wrong to look intelligently upon wealth and how we do things? absolutely you need to be wise stewards of what you do. But I am telling you that when God blesses you, even in that season of blessing, you need to say, Lord, why are you doing this for me? What are you trying to do and what should I be doing with this? Those are questions to ask. I have a friend of mine who was presented a very interesting investment opportunity and he ran it by me and I thought, I'll tell you what. Yeah. And it was a situation he could get into a situation that would be very quick and could turn around. And and in my mind, I thought, boy, I'll tell you what, I I don't know how you can lose with this situation. About a week later, I, I bumped into him. I said, hey, so where are you in the process? He said, Eric, I didn't do it. And I said, I'm really surprised because when we talked about it, we couldn't think of one reason not to do it. He said, Eric, he goes, you're right. But I went home and my wife and I, we sat across this kitchen table and we just prayed. And he said, I'm telling you, both of us did not have peace. And he, he just said, I literally felt like God just said, no, don't do this. And he said, we didn't do it. And we haven't had one moment of regret. And he said, the ironic thing is, I think that deal went through with somebody else and it's going to do what, they, what I thought it would do. But he said, I don't even look at it and feel bad about it. I know we weren't supposed to do it. That's the difference. So, he says, I'm going to pull down my barns. I'm going to build greater barns. I'm going to store all my crops and my goods. And then, verse 19, and here's where the problem comes in. And I will say to my soul... Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, I got this settled. I remember sitting one time with a financial advisor, and he's like, Eric, I'd like to lay out for you the next 45 years of your life. And I literally leaned forward and I said, I am fascinated to hear this. Well, of course, he's talking about finances and different things like that. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the reality. Can anyone even predict what's going to happen in the next two minutes? I have no idea. My brother and I are huge Buffalo Bills fans. So is Nate. That's one of the reasons I let the Schwings come to this church. But I say to my brother, hey, what do you think this year? He goes, Eric, they could win the Super Bowl. I said, I'm really hoping so. He goes, also there's a chance they don't even qualify for the playoffs. He goes, they play Monday night? He goes, we could smoke the Jets. He goes, we could lose by 50. We don't know. This guy says, listen, everything's set. I got it all lined up. We've got more food than we need. The bank accounts are overflowing. Everything's good. Everything's good. But Things aren't always that way. Let's make this hit home. When you don't respect time, you will live as if there's an endless supply. See, here's the two things I think as Christians we need to make sure that we're thinking correctly about. The first one is this we live as if death is something that we know will happen, but not till we're ready for it. See, non believers live as if death won't happen. Believers live as if death will happen, but I'll be really prepared when it happens. But how many of you have either suffered or seen someone go through tragic, sudden death that came out of nowhere? That came out of nowhere. You know, I was talking with one of my sons, and he said, Dad, you know, they have all these rules about lacrosse, about when guys practice that even during practice, they have to wear these things over their heart to make sure and everything. And I said, I know why. And he said, why? I said, I know how that whole legislation started. Because a high school very near where I grew up, just after I graduated, there was some kids playing. And I used to see this all the time, guys playing lacrosse in practice, and they no shirt on, no nothing, running around. I said at high school near where I grew up, a kid got hit with a a shot in the chest and died on that field that day. And my son went, are you serious? I said, yeah. He said, dad, those guys are in like incredible shape. And then the guy who's the middle son says, hey, man, it doesn't matter what shape you're in. Your heart stops. It's over. It's over. So a lot of times Christians live as if they know death will happen but they think man I'm going to be totally ready and it's going to be like okay you know what I'm going to call it quits at 1030 and then I'm going to go home and be with the Lord. We don't know. And in number two sometimes in the middle of things we we think that situations and circumstances that we find favorable we act as if they'll never change and I'm going to tell you that seasons change. Things are different. I want to show you a picture from this past summer. Now, you might think it's one of my favorite pictures, and you might think, wow, it probably is from Austin's wedding. It's not from Austin's wedding. See, a season has changed in our life, and let me explain it. Years ago, we vacationed with my brother and sister-in-law, and we would go on vacation, and it it would just be two big minivans packed with a ton of stuff going on vacation. Anybody ever experienced that stuff? And so, I'd have like the, the, the rooftop carrier on. I'd have stuff piled all around. And the kids, you would wedge them in their car seats and you just figure it out and you got everything in the world and you go on vacation. And then you come home and somehow the van's still packed. Even though you ate a lot of the food and everything like that, you do all these things. But now a season has changed. We went on vacation and the house we were staying at at the Poconos looked like a used car lot. Because well, my brother-in-law... Uh, Their family, they're they're grown up. Uh, Carly and and Tim, they're married. They have two kids of their own. Ian and Lindsay live down in Virginia. Hallie is in school full-time. Our family, Austin and Brigida, are married. Jackson Grad School up in Connecticut. His girlfriend, Allie, is an environmental engineer in Bethlehem. Chase is all over the place, and Pam's stuck with me. (laughs) But we're on the Poconos on vacation. This one night, this one night everyone was there which is literally a miracle and anyone who has any kind of family you know that these things happen and it's like you know you wait for a full eclipse or something so we're all sitting around this fireplace we have a great time and when we get done it's like hey let's go for ice cream and of course one of mine's like dad's treating (laughs) so at this point We've got more cars than we know what to deal with, and my van is wedged in way behind everything, and all the seats are down. I said, "Guys, we're going to take the van," and right away, guys are like, "Dad, Jack's car is here, Ally's car is here. You know, we've got Austin and Brigitte's car. Let's just, we'll just divide up. And take- no, 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 no. We're going to take the van." Then the kids are like, "We got to wedge into the van." Yes, you do. So I get the seats up and everything like that. So in the back row, you see Austin in the middle, the ladies man there. He's got Brigitte on one side, Ali on the other, Jack, Jack and Chase in the middle row, and me and Miss Funny Girl next to me, right? We're all sitting there. And I told Pam to take this selfie because I want to respect time because seasons change and I don't know that I'll ever get the whole crowd back in the van at the same time. Because they got in the van and everyone's, oh, it's crowded, it's hot, I want ice cream. It's just like a flashback when they're little. But here's what I want to challenge you with. When you don't respect time, you will live as if there's an endless supply of it. And when you don't respect time, you won't realize that it is running out and you should handle it preciously. So when you respect time, you will use it it wisely for the things you value most. See, because when you respect that, then you're gonna go, hey, listen, this is really precious. I'm gonna be very careful how I use this. And we need to be careful with it because there's not an endless supply of it. Be careful. All right, let's finish this up. Three for the road, number three. Leverage time to enrich your heavenly future. Leverage time to enrich your heavenly future. So let's look at verse 20. So this guy thinks, hey, I got a maid. I built the barns. I filled the barns. I got food. I got money. Everything's good. I'm on cruise control. The traffic's gone, and I'm just flying down that center lane of life, and everything's good. And in Jesus says something pretty powerful. So, this guy says, so I will do this. I will pull down my barns, build bigger barns, and I will store up my crops, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, what? Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Now, here's the interesting thing. Guys, he's not a fool, a fool because he's wealthy. No. Jesus never said that having money is a problem. What did he say? He said the love of money is the problem. Wealth is not a problem. What the problem is, is he lived a life indifferent to God. Have you ever wanted a reaction from somebody one way or the other and they reacted indifferent? Indifferent means they really don't care. I would rather have somebody say, Eric, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in any of that stuff. And I don't care what you say. I would rather have that conversation than have the person who says, hey, listen, if there's a God, there's a God. I don't know. I'll figure it out later. Those are the ones that bother me because they don't care. At least the other person is saying, no, I'm driving my stake in here. This is what I'm saying. No, I I can deal with that. It's the person who goes, whatever. That's what scares me. And this guy lived his life indifferent. And there's where the problem is. So Jesus says to him, fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Now here's the interesting thing. See guys like that, the way they've invested their time, the way they've lived their life, the way they've used their precious resources, they have raised people and trained them in those ways. And guess what? Then they hand off those things to the people who are also indifferent, and they will carry on the tradition of living an indifferent life. What does Jesus, what does Paul say in Romans? He actually quotes Romans. He also quotes Isaiah. Romans 14, 11, He says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue co- shall confess. So then each one of us shall give an account to him, of himself to God. Therefore let us not judge one another anymore but rather resolve this not to be a stumbling block or to cause to fall in our brother's way. Jesus is saying guys do you understand how precious your time is? Do you understand that you will stand before me and all these things won't matter. Remember the poor man Lazarus and the rich man and the rich man and the poor man both die. The Lazarus goes to heaven the rich man goes to hell and the rich man says send Lazarus back to warn my brothers. And what is he say he says it won't matter because they're indifferent they have the prophets and what did they do they ignored them all the cycle will continue of indifference and that's why I always tell people your legacy of Christ is one generation from extinction Matthew 8 19 through 22 listen to this it says, Then a certain scribe said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> Jesus probably him. yeah, wait till you see where this story is going. Then Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds have, have, of the air have nests, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, let the dead bury the, their own dead. Now this does not mean that we should be homeless. It doesn't mean that we should live in the streets and have nothing. It means that we should live knowing that we have limited time and that our resources, especially our time, should be utilized in a proper way. Jesus is saying, listen, why do you want to live in the comfort of your father's home? Why do you want to do these things? It's time for you to grow. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to get going in life. Jesus had, a, had hard words, but they were truthful words. And Jesus says to this man in this story, This man who has this coveted in his heart. Jesus says to him, do you understand that like this your soul will be required of you? And what are you going to come before God you're going to argue about an inheritance? Are you ready to face me? Final verse, he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What are we doing with our time? Are we investing it correctly? Does our time reflect our values? Does our time reflect what's most important? I'll say to I've I've had numerous couples where I've talked to men who'll say, Eric, my marriage is really struggling. I say to them, Do you love your wife? I absolutely love her. Do you care about? Yeah, absolutely. Do you spend time with her? Well, Eric, Eric I work. Okay. Do you spend time with, I'm busy. Okay. So what you're telling me is she's one of the top priorities of your life, but you don't have time for. I didn't say that. You said that. No, you said that. You're too busy. You work. I said, you know, what's amazing for some reason, almost every man I've met who's married works. So how do we figure this out? Should all working men just get divorced And then usually it goes downhill from there. But I say these things because what I want to do is I want to challenge them and say, listen, I think there's a way to figure this out. Let's leverage our time different. I was listening to a guy this week, and he was talking about this thing, he called it the 90-91. It was 90 slash 90 slash one. And he said, what if you took 90 days and for 90 minutes devoted yourself to the one? Now this guy was not a believer but his point was is he said what's the number one priority in your life and if you were working on that it would filter down into the other things in your life and you took 90 days and you spent 90 minutes working towards that one. So if the goal of the one if the one is hey I want to be a better piano player 90 days 90 minutes for the one. If the goal is I want to be in better physical shape 90 days or 90 minutes for the one. If the goal is I want to grow my relationship with Jesus Christ because I believe that the closer I am with Jesus Christ I'll be a better pastor, a better father, a better husband, a better man, more useful, and I'll leverage my time more effectively, then why don't you do it? So I decided that there would be five days a week where I would get up early to take 90, minutes for ni- 90 days for 90 minutes for the one. Now I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but I'm going to tell you that I've been getting up at really crazy times and doing things to devote to the one. Because I believe that God wants to do something new in this church, and I believe that God has me here for a reason. And so, what I am saying is, I'm saying, God, I am going to leverage my time to you, to the number one priority, so that you can do this. Because I'm going to tell you something else. There's someone else leveraging for your time as well. See, Satan wants to say all sorts of things about your time, Satan wants you to use your time his way. You're too busy. You can't do that. You can't attend the men's group. You got too much going on. No, you can't do the ladies thing. You got to get going. You got to do this and that. No, family, no well, got. It's the middle of the week. It's dumb. It's stupid. Don't do that. You can't get to do that. He's going to convince you that you don't have enough time. He's going to convince you to waste it. He's going to convince you stay up, sleep in. He's going to convince you to stress over it, stress during it, and then stress after it. He's going to convince you to chase the world's agenda. Ultimately, Satan's design and desire for you is to be the next rich fool. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants you to lean back and go, hey, listen, I'm on cruise control. And Satan goes, terrific. You're on the highway to hell. I'll see you in a little bit. That's what he wants. And so often we are convinced that, well, you know, the Lord's at work and I'm following after him and we don't give proper respect to know that there's other things working around us. Now, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, but don't forget that there's one in the world and he's busy at it. In James chapter 4, verse 13, James has this great verse. He says, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such in such city and spend a year here, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It it is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now to boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. What is James trying to say? Hey, listen, man, it is short. It is short. I want to, and I've done this before, but I'm going I'm to do it again. Nate dog, come here. All right. So, Nate, grab this rope and stretch it out. and Go as far as you can down that way. Don't trip yourself. There we go. All right. And now look, you got a nod in it. That's okay. That's all right. Keep going. You're all right. Go all the way down. Okay. So, this is the thing. I want you to pretend that instead of Nate Schwing, this is Adam. It's the first man ever. Very handsome young man. Right? Adam. And after Adam, you go through all of the scriptures. You go through every man and woman ever born, and it just keeps marching forward. And this little blue part, here's Eric Seagull. And I'm on the line. And this is my time. And I don't know how long this represents. This isn't one of those things. Well, well, an inch represents 10 years. No, I don't know. I don't know how long my years are. But this is me. This is my time. This is the time and all of the universe that God decided for me to live right now. But God, it's hard. The economy's tough. Politics stink. There's COVID. Shut up, Eric. I put you here. You have a purpose you're in this time. Live this time. Leverage your time, Eric, in this blue area because I designed you and desired you for such a time as this. So, you're here. But the problem we make is this. We tend to go, all right, but God's done all these things, all these things, and He's doing all these things. But here's the thing we forget. Do you ever think that God is using you? So, Nate, Here's what I want you to do. Now, take your line and walk to that wall. Have we ever realized that God might be saying, Eric, I'm working in you and through you in this moment, but Eric, do you understand that so often you spend so much time figuring out where you came from and what this time is now, but do you understand that the line in front of you is much longer than the line behind you? And Eric, are you leveraging your time here to influence this here? Because I want you to know that this can go back a certain way. We can go all the way back to Adam and God could list out every single person who's ever been on this earth. And he could do that and he could do that very, very easy. But I think when we start going this way, God goes, do you understand that this goes and goes and goes? I'm the Alpha and the Omega who was, who is, and is to come. And this keeps going. And I want to challenge you today to say, hey, listen, your time right now, is your time influencing this? Because that keeps going. This is my life. Nate, this is your life. Is your life influencing what's going on? Because this will last forever. And so everything we do, we need to look at this time and go, hey, how am I investing this? So one of the things that Pam and I talk about is we say, listen, Pam and I, we're going to run this race as long as we can. And then our time will end. And I just tell the boys, listen, and you're going to run your time and then you got to hand it off. One of the things I said to Austin one time, I said, Austin, do you understand that I am the head of this family, but when I go, you will become the head of team Segul?" And he looked at me, he goes, well, what does that mean? I said, Austin, you will help determine where this whole thing goes. And I said, God gave you Brigitte by your side. You guys got, you got to do this. And he's like, Well, don't die anytime soon. Uh, Austin, I don't know where I am on the blue line. And I think you got a little freaked out. But guys, this is our life. This is it. I can't change any of this, but I can influence this. And guys, wouldn't it be amazing, Nate, you can drop that, thank you. Wouldn't it be amazing to someday get to heaven? And can you imagine meeting people, like, can you imagine someone coming up to you and saying, Hey, Len, I know you don't know who I am, but you're my great-great-grandfather. And you started a legacy, and it handed down here, and then it handed out there, and it handed there. Can you imagine that? Satan wants it the world wants it God gives it he says I'm giving you this time you will be here to the moment I desire you not to be here but in that moment I'm going to say God I'm going to leverage everything I have to influence this because that is really important And I've done a lot of funerals where people talk about how successful people were in business and how successful they were with this. And they worked here for years and years and years. And then they will say, hey, would anyone like to share anything? And no one says a word. And I don't know. But sometimes I wonder, did we just, did we influence any of this? Or did we just hand over all of our material goods To other people who are indifferent to God. And Satan is thrilled with that. He doesn't care if you believe in God. He doesn't care if you don't believe in God. He just wants you to live indifferent to it. I want us to stand up. I want the worship team to come forward. And I want you to be challenged on how we handle time. I want us to look at things and say, Lord, am I leveraging my time for you? The other day I'm up really early in the morning and I think, all right, Lord, you know what? I'm here because I want you to know you're number one in my life. And so I'm here and I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to go after this. And all I want to challenge you is to say, hey, listen, are you leveraging your time for him? I'm going to pray for us and we'll close with a song of worship. We'll go from there. If we can get some help with the tables we need to set up and Jesse, those chairs, I think we'll be good. Let's go from there. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Lord, time. It's precious. It's limited. I know that my time here is limited, but Lord, I pray that I would live a life, Lord, that would ooze that you're the number one priority. And Lord, I believe that the closer I am with you, the more connected I am with you, the more powerful you can use me as a husband, as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, as a disciple, as a servant. Lord, all these things. But it starts with time. Early in the morning, Jesus, you would get up early in the morning when it was still dark to go pray with the Father. Why? Because that time was vital and it was precious and it was necessary. Lord, I want to live my life the way you modeled it when you lived yours. Lord, follow the leader. It's not so hard. We thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we pray for over these ministries in the fall. We pray for this school that meets here. Lord, guide us, show us. We will walk, give us courage, give us strength. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.